Hi everyone, uh, welcome to WE's interview series on intersectionality. Today we are here with Felicia O'Dampton. Hi Felicia, thank you for joining. Um, we're really excited today to be hearing more about the Black Economist Network. So let's jump right in. Um, since you're a co-founder, what did you see lacking in terms of resources and access for Black Economists that led you to create T then? Yeah, so essentially, I guess, taking it back a bit from earlier on, I was always interested in economics and economic theories, how it can be used to tackle and solve some of like some of the most complex socioeconomic phenomenon. But I was really surprised when I started my undergrad and I realized there weren't any prominent figures in economics that looked like me. Um, even on the reading list, like there, there weren't any black economists, which was really interesting because, you know, economics is not just a field that is studied in the UK or America, it's for the whole world. Um, yeah, so even when it came to things like development economics, which primarily focuses on people in the global south who aren't um, majority white, you look at the reading list and it's all white scholars um, who were born and raised in the United States or the UK. So I found that really like, oh, weird and I I knew that there was an issue in general with academia um diversity in academia so I put it down to that but then I started working um I joined the government economic service and I realized it wasn't just a problem in academia it was a problem in the workplace and yeah I realized it was a widespread issue so um when I started, I was the only black female economist in my department alongside one other black male economist. And we were at the same level in the same team. And there were like 50 economists. So that was interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it led me to question like, where are all the black economists? Um, and I started like Googling all these different economics organizations. I started looking at their, their board of directors, their staff, and I realized, woof, this is different because when I went to uni, there were black people studying economics, but they just don't enter these economic initiatives and stuff. So I was very curious to find out why. And a lot of the focus, especially in the UK, when it came to diversity and economics was centered around women's representations. And it was just often overlooked that, you know, there was underrepresentation in terms of race. And because of that, like there were like no initiatives to tackle this issue at all. Um, so, you know, economics itself isn't econo um, racially diverse. And uh, so like, like just a few facts and figures from like just research and Google and the whole entire history of um, economic Nobel Prizes out of 86 winners. I think I hope that's the right number now. <laughs> I, I don't know if I updated it. But um, yeah, there's only been um, one black economist ever wow. to win an economics Nobel Prize. And that was... Whew, that was in 1979. I wasn't even alive. <laughs> I wasn't even alive. <laughs> um, and um, there, there was research done in the US that there's a, a declining percentage of economic degrees awarded to black students. Um, in the UK, um, ethnic minority students who do go to um, Russell Group universities and work there are 45% less likely to hold a professorship or managerial level job compared to their white counterparts. Um, and in 2018, of those who passed their initial online test for the economics fast stream, which I am on, only 8% of ethnic minority candidates got a job offer compared to 22% um, of white candidates. Mm -hmm. So 
for me, this means that like it's not only important from a, an equality standpoint that there there is diversity in economics, but more so from um, a quality making perspective as well. This impacts people's lives. It, it translates into people's livelihoods because economists hold some of the most powerful positions in society. We make um, we have the ability to form policies that affect livelihoods. But if these policy recommendations are dependent on the evidence and analysis underpinning them, who are the people making those decisions? Who's choosing what analysis matters, what counts, and um, whose perspectives are being included? Um, therefore, there it could lead to a lack of attention um, faced by certain particular communities, um, which will lead to poor decision-making and policy and even further perpetuate some of these negative outcomes. So that's essentially what inspired me to create TBEN. I mean, initially I wanted to meet other black economists. I wanted to learn from black economists because you go into the workplace, you're the only black person there, you're in a room, it's different. You might, you might wanna to speak to someone who's been in your shoes and kind of gets it and ask them for how they've navigated it because, you know, it's a bit different. Um, so yeah, and then, I realized there was a much bigger problem. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll set up this network, see how it goes. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, all you said, I mean, it's so interesting and inspiring. And I mean, really shows also how important the work you are doing is. So I was wondering, so what are the kind of main activities that your organization does to achieve your aims? So um, I think your aims were to connect, educate, inspire and influence. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess Connect, it goes back to why I originally started the network was to meet other black economists from anywhere to figure out what work they'd be doing, what what inspires them, how they navigate the field. Um, and it was, and that's all about just bringing people together. So we have our main WhatsApp group where we connect and we debate loads of different economics topics. Like someone would share like something going on somewhere and then we debate it and discuss it and it's kind of like a safe space for us um, as well. And when, you know, we didn't have a pandemic, we'd meet up regularly. And <laughs> so <laughs> it was literally, I think I started it, I started in November and then five months later we went into lockdown. So, you know, we've been trying to navigate it online and it's been working so far. Um, so that's what we do to connect, like regular meetups, have conversations and just try and build a community. Educate um, is more about like equipping current and aspiring professionals with knowledge on career options and the skills needed for career progression. So this is literally like, it could be um, hosting a webinar with different organizations to, to talk about like what skills are needed for certain roles in economics, um, what you need to progress in career. We hopefully will um, launch a series um, on how to like apply for PhDs and that will be really interesting um, because we might be doing this in partnership with other organizations just to beef things up so that's what we want to do with educate um, inspire is literally just encouraging um, people and um, our wider audience to you know debate topical issues and alternative economic perspectives and just promote an environment where people can learn from each other so this is whilst we have this in our membership with the connect part, we also want to do this with a wider audience because we can't just be, all our perspectives can't be kept in one bubble, right? The whole idea why many of us go into economics is to affect change 
change for the wider world. And, you know, people need to know our perspectives and what we're doing, right? So Inspire is all about that. So, for example, things like um, Black History Month, we launched our Black History Month series. We had people talk about environmental economics, health economics, development economics. um, And that was like an example of what we do for Inspire. And then influence is literally challenging the status quo, like calling out um, organizations and the profession um, for just not doing well in terms of diversity, but also working with economic organizations who are willing to do the work to tackle this lack of diversity. So that's actually like hosting presentations, um, working in collaboration with different economics organizations on whether it's outreach programs and stuff like that to reach people who wouldn't necessarily consider economics as a subject. Um, And yeah, just work in tandem with economics organizations essentially to affect some kind of change. Great, yeah. I was wondering, do you feel in terms of um, working together with other organizations, do you feel like the Black Lives Matter movement, especially of last year, has um, has made some organizations more keen to engage in that kind of work? Yeah, definitely. I really felt it last year because it was really, um, I had a few volunteers here and there, but a lot of the work um, I was doing alone and then June came and I was like, oh no. (laughs) I was just like, oh no, I can't do this like like this. So um, I um, was able to build together a team later on in the year, which has helped. But yeah, lots of organizations are a bit more awake now I would say Mm. um and they're willing well they say they're willing to collaborate and we've had some really great collaborations so it just remains to be seen like who who's taking this seriously and who just got in contact because they wanted to get in contact and you know stroke their egos to make them feel better about the situation so yeah yeah. so like the first step kind of increased but you know the long-term actually willingness to change remains to be seen I guess yeah I can see that um you also re- recently celebrated your one-year anniversary, right? Of, of yeah. So, a congrats on that. Um, is there an achievement you're most proud of so far? I'm just, well, I guess the biggest achievement is, you know, actually creating a network that people care about the vision, people want to join. Um, you know, the network now has like over 300 members. We've got about 4,000 or so followers on Twitter, Um yeah like our reach is growing day by day and we're connecting with new people and I'm just like I'm proud of that um people right can so. find <laughs> but then also just getting started it's not it's not easy like a personal achievement of mine is actually just having the idea and just going for it mm-hmm. and just putting it together because it's not easy when you start because you know you're the comms person you're the graphic designer you're the admin you're the relationships manager the events planner and stuff like that so I guess my second achievement is like building a team of um, volunteers who actually want to um, help grow the network and the vision and I'm really proud of my team they're an amazing bunch um, so I'm really proud of that and then another achievement is actually raising some money so we raised some money last year we did a like like a mini kind of fundraising campaign um because there's only so much you can rely on like free subscriptions like MailChimp to send send out mail letters and stuff like that and all these other workarounds sometimes you just have to pay for the (laughs) the services to run everything especially when everything is digital now um so raising money really helped 
um, us like move forward, especially onboarding the new team at the same time. So things could get in place. And we've got a website now because we didn't have a formal website before. And so raising money helped us build that and run those services. So that was really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And all of that within, you know, a year and a bit more. That's uh, really great. Um, I think we touched a bit about uh, on this before, but so um, part of your strategy is, you know, to work alongside uh, other organizations to uh, work on their diversity strategies. Um, could you expand a bit more on what that means, what the activities involved are? Yeah, so I guess essentially this lies within our like influence um aim and so mainly the work that comes out of working with other organizations is part of our collabs and partnerships team so this is like a, a great team with Bumi who leads that team um, and it's basically establishing relationship with um, organizations such as like we work with the economy the um, the nonprofit that seeks to raise economic um, literacy amongst the public uh, as well as like Ofcom um, the economics network and similar organizations. Um, we are only like one years old <laughs> and we're growing. So we're still like in our infancy. Um, and I guess a lot of what we would have wanted to do has been disrupted by COVID. But in the meantime, we found like some workarounds by hosting panels, events in, com in um, collaboration with different organizations, um, outreach, etc. Um, one um, partnership that I'm really proud of is our uh, partnership with Frontier Economics, so the economics consultancy. And so we've launched the Black Heritage Insight Program, which offers university students of Black Heritage the opportunity to get first-hand insight into what it's like working for an economics consultancy. So in this program, they can get work experience with the culture of um, and the people of Frontier Economics gain insight into the different areas that they practice in, network with some of the employees and um, yeah, just develop the skills so that they're able to eventually maybe apply for Frontier or a similar economics um, agency. And I think this is really important um, and it's probably the best way in which you can, I guess, attract more people into the field and a diverse bunch because it's not enough to just advertise um, jobs, right? Mm -hmm. The idea is that um, underrepresented people, a lot of them often don't know about the work in, in economics, don't know about these opportunities that are outside of, um, you know, the big investment banks that are always in their face, giving them freebies and stuff like that. So of course, like, They, you can share the opportunity, but they don't know anything about the role or that side of work. So being able to do things that are catered for people and to try and attract them in is a better way of increasing diversity, like actually showing them, okay, we care about you. We're going to reach out to this community. We're going to tailor things to you so that you, you know, like this is an area of work that we're comfortable in. We can contribute in, for example, it can just, it just, allows um, students especially um, to delve a little deeper, feel empowered and be equipped with skills so they can just feel confident. Yeah, and to see, you know, job opportunities that maybe they didn't find that interesting before or didn't think of. So. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, it's definitely something we want to emulate with other organizations as well, but like tailor it maybe if we work with a charity sector or something like that, just so that people... Um, not only students, but just people get a feel for what other 
um, ways they can use economics. Yeah, wow, that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, as you just said, I mean, your organization focuses primarily on making economics more inclusive. Um, so do you see any specific issues that are sort of particular to economics or any issues that are very severe within the economics profession compared to others? I guess um, going back to why I um, started the network, I guess the issue is that um, it's the decisions that are made from a lack of diversity within the field right so like put very simply in economics and how we understand economics um, and the economy is based on like mainstream neoclassical economic principles which focuses on this rational individual who is self-interested and their behavior is defined by some kind of maximizing utility and to some constraint right and then but then when we come to issues of like race um economics treats it as outside of the economy it's like an exogenous variable it's not understood as like part of the economy which it is like we know that the evidence is there it's it's very much there and so when it comes to things like discrimination um it's treated as if it's you know something that is a market imperfection and it can just be quickly corrected and uh, can be competed away and under this framework there's this idea that how the economy operates um, is objective and unbi unbiased and all of that kind of stuff. But the problem is there's no, that's not the reality that we're living in, right? The, who you are, unfortunately, who you are, how you identify, how you look, plays in, um, a role in your outcomes and how you're seen in the world, how other people see in your world, and it dictates like how far you can go. Um, and to quote Joel Gamble, racism is a system that manifests in norms, institutions, and policies. So when economic analyses fail to account for these institutions, they perpetuate racist outcomes. So I guess my issue with the economics profession is this idea that economics, um, as in as, uh, racism, essential to economics and how we understand it. In fact, it's even historically inaccurate to put race aside. I mean, you know, 400 years of slavery, like, come on, you're telling me that didn't contribute to anyone's economy in any kind of way in the West? No, let's be real now. Let us be realistic. Um, <laughs> so there's even, um, like, after the Black Lives Matter movement and there were calls for more um, diversity in economics, I think the IMS, um, IMF, sorry, found like despite progress, economists still pay little attention to race relative to other topics. So for every article in the top 10 economics journal over the past 10 years, only 0.2%, so that's not 2%, that's 0.2% wow. <laughs> um, of those 7,920 articles cover issues of race, racial inequality and racism compared to gender, which is 0.8% and poverty, which is 1.4% um, and income distribution, which is 2%. Mm. So the idea is like, if we keep going down this um, route, what we're doing is we're we're not we're not solving anything really. We're just like putting a band over like, oh, race is an issue, but you know, we can just put other things in it. And you know, if we solve everything else, we'll solve the racist issue, which is not the case. No. <laughs> and there's a lot of work being done by pluralist economics and other scholars. However, the issue is still that we're being taught this type of economics in introductory courses, it's still being pushed by politi politicians. Um, 
it's used to inform business decisions, inform public policy, and that's what really needs to change. Um, yeah, and a less racist society can be an economically stronger one. Um, and there are costs to the economy because yeah. of it. But yeah, so that was really long, but essentially... Oh, that was great. <laughs> I mean, so much, yeah. Yeah, that's my issue uh, with economics as it stands and why it's a barrier. Like, people people want to just hide race but yeah. you can't <laughs> no you definitely can't and shouldn't and I mean that was really powerful wow and yeah I, I guess generally yeah that the models don't accurately reflect reality is just such a big issue with you know many repercussions both in the choices that are being made and the kind of analysis done so um yeah can totally empathize with that um so um I mean, since you work with your network, um, focusing on black students and black professionals, what advice would you give black students who are interested in studying and working in economics, uh, despite the models still being far behind of what they should be? Yeah, I would say, I would say question everything. <laughs> Because you can question things. I mean, you, and, and a lot of like economics and economics models yeah there's like research and some theories are actually been proven but also question the assumptions people are making like okay is is it true that we have this rational agent i know everyone is now realizing that we do not have rational beings like we're not that rational as humans so <laughs> but things like that but then also read outside of your reading list because your reading list will be set by someone who you know what they've been taught what their perspective what they think is the right form of economics but there's loads of authors and many authors who talk about economic issues but they wouldn't even call themselves economic econo uh, economists <laughs> so I definitely encourage to read out read around the subject look at different um, economics um, theories books perspectives that you may not come across in your degree And then also when it comes to working, realize there's more to economics than investment banking and finance, because it's, you wouldn't, as a student, you obviously wouldn't know, you're like, you're studying, you're there, unless you're like really um, in tune with what's going on in the field, you're really up to date, you know every area, you wouldn't, I didn't discover all these different areas of economics um, in uni, it's only when I came out of uni, I was like, ooh. I want to do a job, but I don't want to go into investment banking. Um, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah, but um, I get it's it's easy to fall into that kind of thing. Like there's, you know, yeah, there's not to say there's anything wrong with investment banking. It's you know that's what mm -hmm. people do. That's finance and stuff, and that we still need finance to make the world go around. But um, a lot of people think that's the only thing that they can do. Mm or going to um, finance jobs and stuff. But there's so many jobs in like the charity sector, the research sector, academia, and not like the everything and even consultancy, um, which can really benefit and someone can find more fulfilling. So I definitely say, don't feel like you have to go a certain route. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, economics is so wide. I mean, since you're working with economy, you probably know, but I think they've done some testing in schools where they ask children to draw an economist, and it's usually, yeah. I mean, a banker and usually white male. But uh, yeah, so it's definitely something that's very present in a lot of people's minds that it's all around finance, <laughs> balance sheets, and banking. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you also host regular events with companies, right? And what we talked about. And um, I mean, I guess once you're inside an organization, what are some of the things that will need to change inside organizations for economics to become more diverse, you know, with respect to recruitment and retention, but also other issues. And I think especially how can white economies, uh, economists be um, effective allies to black economists and other minority group economists and actually support organizations becoming more diverse and inclusive? Yeah, so I guess um, when it comes to organizations, um, it's it's not enough to just say you want to be diverse or it's not enough to just say, hey, look, let's showcase the two black people we have in our 500 people company and see the work that they're doing. We're diverse. Um, what it comes down to is actually making a conscious effort to hear those people's voices um, within your company, um, but then also take on board um what they say and not center themselves because I feel like in companies well not just feel like I know in companies there's this issue to um where a lot of the people the organizations may center themselves as opposed to the minorities in the company to to make the conversation comfortable for them so instead of um, focusing on the issue of the lack of diversity and retention and how the ethnic minority um, employees might feel, the conversation is done in a way to um, stroke the egos and make the people, the majority, more comfortable. And when it comes to the issues of diversity, it, you really need to have the uncomfortable conversations. Um, that's, the, that's unfortunately the only way things are going to change because it's, Experiencing the racism is not comfortable. Um, not being able to be yourself in the workplace is not comfortable. Um, dealing with microaggressions, that's uncomfortable. So when we're addressing this, it, we don't have to address it in a way to make the people who are perpetuating these things comfortable. And that's something that companies need to realize. They need to have open and honest conversations about this. But then also it's not enough for just the senior management to take this on board because oftentimes what happens is a senior figurehead in a company will come and say we take diversity really serious but they're not even like close to the people who are on the ground doing the work it's it's the middle management that is dealing with the people every day <laughs> doing the work this applies to all companies not just in economics though um but I'll come back to the point of like economics and the economics community more specifically so what companies also need to realize it goes down the chain of management everyone needs to be committed to making the workplace diverse and more comfortable for people who are like a minority group otherwise it just doesn't work management can't say yeah we're taking this seriously and not hold account middle management um, junior management um, it has to be a whole effort um, and I think a lot of organizations unfortunately overlook this point because most people, most minorities, unfortunately, as the distribution goes, they're at lower, more junior roles than they are at the top. So therefore, they're going to be dealing with middle management on a day to day basis. So that is the level of management that really counts when it comes to these things. And then the economics um, community, how can they be more um, helpful? Well, so I guess, you know, there's been lots of conversations had since um the Black Lives Matter movements last summer. And um, so I actually asked T-Ben, the members of T-Ben, like how can the economics community be um, more supportive for us? How can they help us? And it can be summarized essentially into four key points, right? So the first one is um, increased visibility. So 
the visibility of black economists and their work is really important. And this means to actively seek out black economists to speak at events, write articles, comment on a range of economic issues that aren't just race, because believe it or not, many of us are interested in topics in economics that aren't to do with race. There are actually race economists doing that work. (laughs) Not every black economist you see is well-versed in racial economics. So that's an important part. Um, the field needs to also amplify the work of black economists. We need to start seeing ourselves in the contributions that we make in the field. Um, the next one is increased relatability. So just off the back of that point, you know, seeing ourselves in the contributions we make. So this may, means hosting seminars, events, even carrying out research, which makes economics less foreign and isolating. If the goal of economics is to increase diversity and be inclusive, which is a key important part of it, then the material the the field produces um, needs to be more relatable to the black experience. So, yeah, just could be it could be anything. Economics is diverse. It doesn't have to be, you know, always like inflation and macroeconomics. You could talk about the economics of, I don't know, migration, where a lot of us in the diaspora of Caribbean or African um, descent are interested in that, right? Because that's our experience, that's the experience of our parents, our families, things like this. Um, And moving on from that, uh, the next one was increased support. So this is basically just providing support, you know, by donating, that's a really good way. So T-Ben takes donations if you would like to help us out. Um, but also it can be in, a, in other forms as well. So this involves partnering to deliver events, talks, workshops, um, just supporting initiatives like mentorship and training programs, especially because that really helps. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> and then the final um, point was increased opportunities. So supporting potential and current economists through the pipeline. Um, This means funding for um, trainee economists, wannabe economists who they might want to do an economics internship, but they don't have the funding because they don't, it doesn't pay a lot. So yeah, paid internships, essentially. Um, Creating targeted outreach programs to introduce economics as a viable option for black students who may not be aware of what the field has to offer. Um, yeah, and work experience for aspiring economists as well. Mm-hmm. So just increasing the opportunities there are um, and making sure they're targeted correctly. So yeah, we're really committed as a platform that TBEN that is to supporting black economists and amplifying their voices. So, you know, we need we need all members of the economics community to act and call out things when they see it it's not enough just to acknowledge the problem we actually need to like make the vision of economic racial equality a reality essentially Mm. yeah I mean I think that's so important like people actually have to do the work rather than just being like oh yeah this is a problem and I think you know I feel like in the last year there's been a lot of talk about like performative allyship rather than actually being an actual ally to other you know other groups so I think yeah you have to do work sorry that's just how it is <laughs> yeah exactly so that really resonates that's yeah I loved your points thank you <laughs> um yeah, I think similar sort of related to that um you know since we're working a lot with uh women identifying economists I mean a growing critique of feminism in particular is that you know feminist movements leave behind minorities um 
So, yeah, I guess from your experience, are there any particular aspects of that sort of intersectionality that are often forgotten or even purposely avoided, let's be honest, in the feminist movement? Yeah, I guess when it comes to the feminist movement, just sometimes um, there's the way. So what I've been reading into, I'm still trying to get into my feminist economics bag, you know, still learning, still reading a lot of things. And I think um, something that comes up is like the intersection with class as well. So understanding that um, the issues of women are not all the same like a middle-class woman will have different issues to a lower-class woman and sometimes they interact with disability they interact with race and it looks completely different so when we're talking about like solutions to feminism and stuff like that um yeah just feminist um ideology it's important to include those perspectives into it I'm currently reading Bell Hooks and she really does a really great job in talking about all of these issues um especially like you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, women in the workplace, you know, trying to uh, be more equal to men and stuff, but then we're often forgetting, okay, what about women who are care workers? What are women who are doing a lot of care work, um, which often intersects with race in a different way, which also um, intersects with lower class women in a way that, you know, maybe middle-class women are ignoring in that way. But um, Bell Hooks does a really great job. <laughs> so I'd recommend what she says. Um, and I guess more recently, when we're talking about violence against women, so um, the unfortunate case of Sarah Evgard, um, it, it, was, it was quite haunting. Like, it was a really sad situation and it really bothered me. But what was haunting me about it was the fact that um, if it was, for example, me or maybe someone I knew, I don't... Um, who is of black descent I don't think we would have got that same amount of support simply just because we are black and lots of people lots of women as well who aren't are non-black or non-people of color um, because they don't see themselves in someone like me they wouldn't be compelled to I guess go out and speak out against violence against women and that really bothers me and I think if we're going to be for women, we need to be for all women, regardless of whether you can relate to them, whether they look like you. Um, and so that's one issue that that has bothered me and played on my mind really recently. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think we could do a lot more when it comes to feminism in, in that sense. But I'm still learning, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a really important point. And I think, yeah, in general, I mean, if you, you know, if you try to support women, you should support women, not just women that look like you, you know, not just women that look like me, women that are women. So I think, you know, really being mindful of your own kind of bubble and situation and your kind of, um, you know, uh, inherent quick thoughts, if you think of yourself rather than, you know, someone else, I think that's so important to make sure, you know, you're actually supporting everyone and not just, you know, the, the likes of yeah. you. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, we partially cover that, but I was wondering, so do you think sometimes there's a risk of um, 
token so you mentioned for instance that you know some companies use like the two black economists they have to you know <laughs> advertise so there's yeah. definitely an issue of like tokenizing to some degree I guess um mm -hmm. and I was wondering also you know um do you think it's it's an issue do you have to be careful with obviously adding to people's workload by just letting you know minorities do the work because I think you know it's it's very much a common problem right so mm. um, yeah I was wondering if you can talk a bit about that as well yeah I think I experienced this especially like when um, Black Lives Matter happened and all of a sudden people wanted to hear my perspective and I was just like well this is a lot of work and you guys aren't paying me for this um there's work already out there um that people are doing so I guess that I think being sensitive and recognizing that the issue isn't with the people experiencing the racism and the microaggressions and stuff. The issue with is with the majority of people who perpetuate this and refuse to engage with it. This isn't, it isn't news. Like black people didn't only start experiencing racism last year, last summer. <laughs> We've been speaking <laughs> about this for years. People have been writing books on this. So if you have suddenly become aware of it because you've had the privilege of ignoring it for so long, that is then on you to figure out where you can find the resources um, to research, to Google, to learn more about this issue and be sensitive when you are asking other people about their perspectives and their opinions. Because some people will, f will be like, they've dealt with it so long they don't want to talk about it and that's absolutely fine. And then there are other people who are willing to help you. But as long as you're not, you know, pushing the labor onto them and you're having like, constructive conversations and when you are having these conversations don't rebut them don't try and downplay their experiences don't gaslight them be weary of some of the things that you might want to oppose because at the end of the day they have been experiencing this their whole life uh, you have literally just discovered <laughs> what racism is therefore you should like put aside the pride and the ego and actually you know listen and try to understand um, and that helps a lot of the way um yeah if that's how we how we should go about it and the whole tokenism thing like just be just be real if you only have two black people in your in your office and there's like 500 of you you only have two black people in your office and there's 500 of you you should you should acknowledge that pretending as if these two black people are the mark of like progression in the workplace or something is not is not yeah it's not what yeah. they think it is so um yeah that's totally. essentially what what i think in general yeah no that makes a lot of sense um so now you know hands down question you know what would the economics profession look like if t then achieved its mission entirely how and also maybe how would you you know envision policies and society as a whole benefiting from this and changing yeah so i guess um there's a few sections because t ben is like a global kind of network we have members from different countries in the Caribbean and the states um, from the African continent and stuff so I guess when it comes to um, the vision in like maybe let's say the west so American states Europe it would be about actually um, amplifying the work and research that black economists want to focus on because I guess naturally there will be people from the community who want to study what goes on in the community. They want to publish, they want to research, they want their voices to be heard. And a lot of the gatekeepers 
in this um, space might not want that. But in the ideal world, they'll be able to talk about these issues. We'll be able to see these issues on the reading list. If someone is interested, we'd be able to, you know, get paid the same, um, reach professor and managerial positions and be specialists in the areas that we want to be specialists in without, um, you know, some kind of stigma or being told that this isn't what people would be interested in. So that's... um, you know, the area like in research and academia um, in the West, especially. But then this also applies to in the global South, um, where there are people who are from the countries that they're born and raised, so development economics, who know the issues of their country well enough and are interested in economics and they have ideas and policy ideas and things that they want to share that would be within the realm of what they're understanding. But however, because the way the world is set up, they haven't gone to a fancy university, they don't have a fancy degree. So then they're not taken seriously um, in, the, in the work that they do. And in the ideal work, these people will be able to share their thought, be able to share their work. It will be amplified in the same way in maybe the field of development economics or any realm of economics, really. Um, yeah, they'll be seen as equal as the big top chief economists anywhere else in the world who who are from the West, they also are big people in, in, their, in their respective fields and their locations, et cetera. So in terms of economic policies, like being realistic about some of the outcomes. Um, so if, if you have like a certain amount of funding that is gonna be put in a certain location, actually doing the analysis to see who will this impact and how will this impact people based on things on the ground. And if there is an issue, raising that issue and being able to speak about it candidly instead of ignoring it completely as if it won't be an issue like, oh, if we're going to fund this area, it's going to affect everyone equally. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't. Um, things like this, like, because we've already seen, like, I guess with the pandemic and stuff, um, people um, from ethnic minorities have a higher death rate because they're in roles and jobs where they've got higher exposure so lockdown isn't going to work for everyone like that right so what you would need is a is a policy that also helps so like if it means um you know sorting giving people bus drivers furlough I don't know I'm I can't t- create a policy off the top of my head but <laughs> creating a tailored policy to make sure you mitigate against those kind of really horrible um, stats and realities, then doing that instead of pretending it doesn't matter and then waiting after and be like, oh, wow, why are so many Black and Asian people dying? Oh, dear, kind of thing. Um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, do you, do you also have, do you have a favourite author or economist, influencer as well, you know, for people interested in reading more from a Black economist perspective, especially with, you know, since you mentioned the reading lists? oh yeah so I'm I so in terms of reading I really am interested in the work that um like Joelle Gamble she's not like quite a writer she's an economist she's now working in um I think the Biden's administration at the moment so I like um what she's written some articles so I read a lot of like articles about this um situation I like what um Anna Gifty who was um 
who was the CEO of the Sadie Collective. So like the similar network to us in the US that focuses on black women in economics. She does a lot of good articles. You can start from there. There's also um, William Spriggs and um, Sandy Darity that actually look at the topic of economics and race. Um, When it comes to the UK, there's still, we're still quite in our infancy when it comes to talking about economics and race over here. So I haven't come across a lot of authors um, in that sense who are black economists who have written anything. So I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And um, um, recently I've been um, looking at other um, black um, scholars and writers who aren't necessarily economists, but um, talk about economic issues within their their realm so I know um Franz Fanon he's I'm getting into I'm about to finish how Europe underdeveloped Africa so that would really give you a different perspective of economics and history that you might not necessarily come across in your um reading list <laughs> so there's a few and again from the feminist perspective bell hooks so she's I really like what she's written yeah, definitely me too. <laughs> Thanks. That's a long, a good long list to start with. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that takes us to pretty much the end of our interview. So thanks so much for uh, answering all these questions. And it has been certainly really interesting and valuable for me and hopefully for everyone who will tune in later. Um, I guess the final question for anyone who watches this interview and thinks, wow, T-Ben is amazing. And where can they find out more about you, about your work? Do you have a website? Yeah, we have a website. So it's literally tben.co.uk um, and that will take you straight to our website. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the black econ underscore because it's a bit too long to write <laughs> as the username. And um, you can also through our website sign up to our mailing list. So that's where you'll get like updates about what we're up to. Um, and if you want to become a member, becoming a member is on the website too. And then you'll get access to um, our uh, WhatsApp group um, and different opportunities and stuff like that. So that's how you can get in contact with us. Um, me, um, I guess my my name is Felicia Dampton, but my username on Twitter is Felicia Ayenswa. So you can follow me on there. Sometimes I talk about economics from different perspectives, not just race. <laughs> Currently working in housing markets, so a bit of housing market analysis sometimes um <laughs> um but yeah so that's where you can find me um or yeah you can also send us an email at hello at tben.co.uk if you want to get in contact amazing that sounds great perfect thanks so much for taking the time felicia thank you for having me